Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello and welcome to Money is Emotional with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, it is good to be back with you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be back talking about things that we care about. I love the subject today. You're talking about why people give up on their money goals. And you and I've talked about goal setting a lot on air and off air. I think it's incredibly important. Obviously you do. And so I'd like a little bit of insight into this. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I was actually kind of shocked that most people give up on their new year's resolutions, which includes their money goals Mm -hmm. within two weeks of making them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In fact, the second Friday of January is known as national quitters day. (laughs) Are you serious? I swear. I've never heard that before. (laughs) I I just heard that recently and I was like, wow. Well, that'd be great. Yeah. It'd be great if it was like (laughs) smoking. Right. If National yeah. Quitters Day, it's a positive. It was, we're going to quit smoking. We're going to, you know, quit, you know, beating our dog or something. But no, that sounds pretty negative. Yeah. And so when I heard that, I'm like, you know what? Why do people quit? Yeah. On their money goals. And how can we create money goals that we're actually excited to achieve? And want to stick with them. Like Mm -hmm. that's really the important thing. Yeah. I I mean, I think that uh, I'll be honest, I've quit on goals. (laughs) Usually it's weight loss, weight loss goals. Uh, (laughs) just to be straight out potato chips of one ice cream is one, or I've just been like, this is really making me tired and sore. (laughs) (laughs) This is unpleasant. So yeah, I can see that, but I don't know. Why do people quit on money goals specifically? I mean, is it the same kind of thing? It's just getting tough or what? Well, you know what? I have actually, narrowed it down to five reasons why I think people give up on their money goals. And then we're just going to talk about like for each one, how can we tweak it to overcome that? Okay. And the first reason is that you have too many money goals. Hmm. Sometimes, especially at the beginning of the year, we can get really ambitious. Oh yeah. Right. Like this is the year. This is the year I'm going to get out of debt. This is the year I'm going to budget. This is the year I'm going to max out my retirement account. Yeah. Right. And the list goes on and on and on. And what happens is when we have too many money goals, it can lead to overwhelm because we don't know where to focus, especially when we've got competing priorities. Now, if we are trying to pay off our debt and max out our retirement account, when we have a decision to make, it's like, well, 
what do I do? Right. Do I take that extra money and put it towards my debt? Do I take the extra money and put it towards my retirement? It can lead to indecision. And then like the worst case scenario that happens is we end up spending that money while we're trying to decide Mm -hmm. which of our priorities to put it towards. And then it goes to neither of those priorities. So I recommend one major focus for the year at the maximum two. Now, if you think that I might be able to accomplish this before the year is up, then maybe we do pick like a secondary or a backup money goal. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is when we're focused, it makes things easier. And you've probably heard of decision fatigue. Have you heard of this? Analysis paralysis. Is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, it is. Um, You know, it's like it's overthinking, right? We have too many things to think about. And, you know, decision fatigue basically means if we have too many decisions that we have to make Mm -hmm. during the course of the day or the course of the week, it's just like we get worn out and we just don't make the best decisions. Absolutely. So if we decide at the beginning of the year that this one thing is our focus, then we don't have to make decisions about it because we know that whenever we get some extra money that we're going to put the majority of it towards that various goal. Like, you know, in the, um, an episode or two ago, we talked about paying off debt. Yes. Now, if that's your focus for the year, when you get a bonus, you know, sure, spend a little of it on fun, maybe, you know, 10 or 20%, but then it's like 80% of it goes towards your big money goal. Yeah. We don't have to think about it. We just do it. And so that's something that I have always done at the beginning of the year. You know, Nick and I will talk about like, what's our big goal? And sometimes it carries over from Mm -hmm. one year to the next. So like 2023, this is the year of real estate. This is the year that, you know, we want to move into our forever house here in Kentucky. And our secondary goal is buying rental property in Florida. So this is the year of real estate. All of our extra dollars, that's where our focus is. So we don't have to think about it. Yeah. And and here's the thing. You're the expert. You have been doing this for a long time. You have been counseling folks for a long time or coaching them in in, in these different money matters that you're bringing to the podcast. And I I love the fact that you brought up the podcast where you're talking about uh, eliminating debt. And for anybody who hasn't heard that, go back and listen to it because it's not just about eliminating debt. You, You spoke about different ways to do it based on your personality. And I think that that plays into exactly what you're talking about now. At least that's, that's how I feel is that if your personality is one that, Hey, I can focus on this one thing and really put a lot of effort into it and feel that success. And it's very rewarding to you. Then that's exactly the way you need to do it. And if it's a little here, little there, different goals that you're tackling a little bit at a time, and that's your personality. Great. Go for it. You give people so many options. And that's what I love about talking to you about this stuff, because it's not one size fits all. Right. Absolutely. So another reason that I find that people give up on their money goals is that you're not excited about it. What? (laughs) You pick a goal because you should. Like, 
I should get out of debt. <laughs> it's the adult thing to do, right? I should budget. I should get my crap together when it comes to my money. I mean, that's like, oh, I should go on a diet. I should lose 20 pounds. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nobody gets excited about that, right? <laughs> I mean, it feels like a drag. And if your money goal, when you say it, you feel like, Bleh. yeah, Th- that is a sure sign that it's the wrong goal or we need to reframe it. Mm. Give me an example. So let's look at debt. Okay. Right. We think we should get out of debt. Like we, we should pay off our credit cards. This is, you know, maybe it's a resolution or a goal that we've made at the beginning of every year and we just, we haven't achieved it. The thought of just like saying, well, my goal is to like pay off my credit card debt. It kind of seems like, meh. Like, yeah, I want to be rid of it, but it's not like we don't feel like we want to do the fist pump and jump up and down. Mm-hmm. So if we think about what is achieving this money goal going to do for us? on the other side. What's the end result? So if our monthly payment for all of our credit cards is $1,500, then let's dream about what we would do with that money once those credit cards are paid off. Yeah. I mean, you can have some pretty darn good vacations, (laughs) Yeah. For $1,500 a month, right? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of really fun things that you could do with that money. Some nice shopping sprees, you know, some fun memories with the family. There's a lot of really cool things that we could do with that $1,500 a month. Yeah. So rather than framing the goal, pay off my credit card debt. You know, what if we could say, all right, the goal is to free up $1,500 a month to put towards a Hawaiian vacation. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, with that kind of money, you could go for, you know, 10 days to two weeks, like twice a year with that yeah. kind of money. <laughs> yeah, that's no joke. And yeah. that's part of, you know, you've spoken about a dream board before, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A dream board or a vision board. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So remind, remind the audience what that is. It's pictures of the things that you want to achieve Mm -hmm. in your life and with your finances. I'm a huge fan of them. I actually refresh my vision board at least once a year with my goals on there. So this is something that I did just recently. And, uh, you know, if I turn my head and look at it, I've got pictures of the things that I want in our dream house. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got pictures of rental property that I want to buy, among other things. You know, there's some things that are small. I'll tell you one of the little things, you'll probably laugh. There's a pair of sequined roller skates on my vision board. Really? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I did not expect that. I'll be honest. It's a small goal. They're $200. So, you know, I am planning that splurge for uh, probably not this month, but maybe next month. But, uh, you know, you got to have some big things. You got to have some little things. As a child of the 80s and 90s, like roller skating was a huge part of my childhood. And I'm still pretty darn good at it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
I would have to have the picture of the roller skates on my dream board and then a pair of crutches, a picture of a pair of crutches <laughs> next to those, yeah, the, the fancy knee brace that I would need to have as well. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, but, you know, having something that you can get excited about, that is really important. Because if you're not excited about the goal, it's just a should. Yeah. Now, the other reason that I see people giving up on their goals, and you alluded to this earlier, is that they're either too hard or sometimes they're actually too easy. Hmm. For some reason, we seem to like extremes. <laughs> And goal setting is no exception. You know, some people set easily achievable goals because they hate, quote unquote, failing. Mm. Um, and I love the new definition of failing that James Lenhoff gave us in his episode where he talked about, you know, allowing your kids to fail with money, mm -hmm. that failure is the process of success. Yeah. But there are some people who it's like they're almost triggered or traumatized by failure. And so they'll set really super easy goals, which honestly should be more like to do's mm -hmm. than an actual goal. And it doesn't really challenge them. And I don't know about you, like I like a little bit of a challenge that kind of, you know, motivates you and gets you a little excited. But other people will set impossibly high goals so that they never quite reach the finish line. Yeah. And so what I like to do instead is I like to set what I call range goals when it comes to money. So like a good, better, best scenario Okay. for your goal. And for example, that might be you know, if let's just say someone's listening, they're self-employed and they have an income goal for the year, you know, last year, let's just say they made $60,000 in their business and they're like, okay, what do I want to make for the next year? Well, setting a goal to do 60 or 70,000 and you've raised your prices, that's going to be too easy, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's pretty predictable that you're going to go ahead and achieve that anyways, right? Yeah. yeah. So that might be a little too easy. But then on the flip side, if someone says, okay, well, I want it to be a hundred, that might be, that might be almost too much of a stretch. Yeah. So maybe we set a good, better, best type of goal where we say it would be great you know, it would be good, you know, if I can do 75,000. And in fact, I'm pretty darn sure I can do that. Mm -hmm. And then we might say, you know, a great goal might be 90,000. And like the best goal would be more than six figures, right? So mm -hmm. maybe be 110 or, or whatever to have that range because more than likely, you're going to be somewhere in the middle of that range. And you're still going to feel good about it. Yeah. You know, so if you're like next year, I want my income to be between 75 and 110,000. Mm -hmm. More than likely, you're going to achieve that. But 
with having that range, especially once you surpass that first number, that second number kind of pulls you forward. Yeah. Like, ooh, we've already got the 75. Well, how close can we get to the 110? Mm-hmm. And chances are you're probably going to get close to it. And you're also not going to feel like you're a failure if you don't reach the upper end. Yeah. Now, income goals are different than getting out of debt goals kind of thing. Absolutely. But but that being said, using your example, do you believe in rewards for hitting your goals? And and especially on range goals, like if I hit that 75, uh, this Mm -hmm. is the reward I'm going to do. You know, we're going to. We're going to take a, a a long weekend at a spa, right? If yeah. I hit the better goal, we're going to do a spa in Hawaii. If we do the best goal, we're going to do in a spa in Hawaii and stop in Tahiti, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, whatever that is, right? Do, right. do you believe in the, those types of reward systems to where, I mean, as a motivator, just out of curiosity? Yeah, no, I think, I think those are really good. There are some people who are really motivated by those positive rewards. Mm -hmm. And so you probably know whether you're that type of person or not. You know, I am very motivated by the positive goals and getting the check marks. And I was one of those nerds where it's like, I loved getting the gold star. And if I could get extra credit, you know, and get the extra sticker from the teacher, it was just like, that really drove me. Like I loved getting the rewards. But I also know that there's some people who that doesn't really motivate them. They're more motivated by the stick than the carrot. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we can actually like work in punishments. If you don't get to a certain uh, milestone by a particular time, right? So if we look at that goal and we say, okay, all things being equal, barring some catastrophe, there's really no good reason that I shouldn't earn mm-hmm. $75,000 this year because I've I've raised my prices in my business. If I have the exact same amount of business, like this is automatically going to happen. Yeah. We can work something in like making a donation to the opposite political party. Oh, good or- lord. <laughs> <laughs> a charity that you think is silly. <laughs> Got it. Yep. And sometimes this is fun to do with a friend where it's like, you know, you kind of have this little competitive spirit. Like if I don't stick with this, then you get to hold me accountable and you get to tell me where I'm donating this money or vice mm. versa. Some people are more driven by like competition and not losing versus getting the gold stars or getting the spa days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, if anybody's thinking, getting the tattoo of your competition's logo, that's oh, a bad geez. idea. That's a bad one. <laughs> Don't do that one. Um, and the gold star thing just cracks me up because I was somewhat motivated by the gold star thing, but I was also the kid in fourth grade that he found the sheet of gold stars in my mom's desk and I took it to school and I started putting stars on my own stuff. <laughs> Oh my the God, teacher didn't so give funny. them to me. Yeah, teacher didn't give them to me. She's like, wait a second. That was a C or a D. Well, how do you have like three gold stars on there? Mm. Anywho, yeah. There's uh, another glimpse into the psychology of Eric. <laughs> that's so funny. So 
the fourth reason that I see people giving up on their money goals is that they use timelines to beat themselves up. Oh, okay. So yes, we should create approximate timelines for our goals because having a sense of urgency does motivate us to action. So for mm -hmm. example, if I'm thinking about writing my next book and I know when I want it published, I know when I need to start writing it. If I don't have that deadline and I keep saying, oh yeah, I'm going to start writing that book this year, I can procrastinate until December 31st, right? So having those deadlines actually does spur us to action. But sometimes we use time deadlines as an artificial pass-fail line in the sand. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the coaching industry, there's, you know, for people who are coaches, there's almost like this unspoken rule about success. Like once you achieve a $10,000 month or a $20,000 month in your business, like you've made it. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that in a business for a calendar month, last, I, was, I guess it was last year, the beginning of last year, I was, I can't remember if it was January or February, but I was like looking at my sales and I was like, oh man, like I was like $400 short from having a $20,000 month. And I was starting to beat myself up over it. And then I said, well, wait a minute. Maybe I actually did have a $20,000 month. And so I looked at the stretch, like a 30-day a stretch. And it was like, I actually did have $20,000 of sales in a 30-day time period. Mm -hmm. It was not a calendar time period. But it was like, oh, if you shifted it forward three days, you know, yeah. and did it from the third of one month to the second of the of the next month, it actually was a twenty thousand dollar month. And that's when it just hit me. Like I'm using this artificial construct, this time calendar, and I'm basically, you know, rolling it up and beating myself with it and saying that I've failed. Yeah. When I, I actually haven't. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fantastic way to think you know, about it. Right. And still, it's like, and even if I, quote unquote, only had sales of $19,600, is that really a failure? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the other thing, too, I'll give you another example of this. My husband and I, our goal when we bought this house that we moved into shortly after we got married is that we wanted to pay it off in 15 years. We decided to do a 30-year mortgage and just pay extra because, you know, with me being self-employed, if I didn't have a great month, we mm -hmm. wanted to be able to have like that fallback where we could fall back to the lower payment if we needed to, but we were committed to paying extra each and every month on the mortgage. Yeah. Well, it took us 17 years. Wow. That's awesome to pay off a 30 year mortgage, but we didn't get it paid off in 15. Mm -hmm. Did we fail? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but I remember when, 
you know, it was 20. It would have been if we had paid it off in 2019, the beginning of 2019, Mm -hmm. it would have been 15 years. And we didn't. And I remember that milestone passing and thinking. Darn it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have it paid off by now, but it was like, okay, we only have like 30 grand left on this. We can probably get this knocked out pretty quick. And so within like the first week or two of the following year or so, it was like it was paid in full. So, but it's like there are some goals that we have to commit to until they are accomplished. Right. Because, I mean, what would have happened if at the beginning of 2019, I said, well, we didn't pay off the mortgage in 15 years. I guess we failed. Yeah. Let's just throw the goal out the window and not pay anything extra. We're out of here. On the mortgage. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, I mean, that's silly, but sometimes we do that to ourselves, you know, and it's like rather than looking at the progress that we've made and say, Oh my gosh, like look how much of our mortgage we paid down in 15 years. No, it's yeah. not completely gone, but it's almost like we void out all of our progress because we didn't hit it exactly on the time deadline that we set for ourselves. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. So the final reason that I see people give up on their money goals is that you're too attached to how the goal is going to be achieved. So Hmm. when we create a money goal, we usually have an idea of how we're going to make it happen. And this is, this is good because it helps us to create a plan of action to start making progress on it. But we need to be open to all of the possibilities for how the goal could be achieved. So for example, If I have an income goal for this year, I might expect that the majority of it comes from my coaching business. But what if it doesn't? I mean, what if someone offers to buy the rights to one of the trademarks that I owe? Hmm. Or what if a major company wants to license my courses and put them on their platform? Right? You know, if we get tunnel vision, we might miss opportunities to achieve our goal in an even better and easier way. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And that's something I think that, I mean, you put it best tunnel vision, right? It's, I've had that a lot of, a lot of times, seriously. And and as business owners, we do that a lot of times we we put our head down and we grind and grind and grind. And Mm -hmm. for, for people that aren't business owners that are managing a budget, a house budget, a household budget is almost its own business, right? And you put your head down and you grind and grind and grind on one thing or one, you know, one thought and you miss a lot. And, and I'm Mm -hmm. totally guilty of that. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we think if we haven't worked hard, it doesn't count. I've been guilty of this and I know we actually 
talked about this a little bit in some of the mindset segments that we've done Mm -hmm. that, you know, in the past, I have felt like when I have a goal, if I haven't worked hard in order to achieve it and, you know, someone has gifted me money or, you know, some kind of fortunate event happens and I overpaid my taxes and then I, you know, I get a $10,000 refund and that helps me accomplish that goal. It's almost like if it feels too easy, we're like, well, I don't know that that really counts. I mean, (laughs) you're hitting on some emotions here and I'm not going to start crying on you, I promise. But (laughs) Well, you can. (laughs) Thank you. You I appreciate the the freedom. (laughs) I'll hand Um, you a virtual Kleenex. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this this just happened last year because you and I have talked about this off air, but my wife and I sold one of our houses um, and moved into our other house, which was a rental property for years. And and so now it's an opportunity for us to fix it up and, and kind of make it our own for a few more years. But because we sold last March at the very height of, you know, the, the, the market and it was in a good school district and all that. I mean, obviously that's why we sold is because it was, it was a very desirable house. Mm-hmm. We were able to become debt-free very quickly and it yeah. was, it was like cheating, right? It was, it was like we cheated, but it was because we got so much offered on that house and we had such a surplus that that enabled us to tackle something that we had wanted to tackle for 20 years, but not right. even come close to it. But all of a sudden it's like, mm, done. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just a weird feeling. It was like, we didn't actually work hard, but we did in a way. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a buildup of, you know, owning that house, taking care of Mm -hmm. that house. And, you know, was there some chance and good luck involved? Sure. Of course. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's any less admirable that you achieved debt-free status. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when I look back on all the projects I had to do on that house, good Lord, there was a lot of work. <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> I earned, earned it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling myself that. Yeah. Well, the other thing um, I wanted to mention too is sometimes people will make things harder on themselves than they need to be. And it's not cheating to make it easier. <laughs> on yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about if we are trying to eat healthy, we don't keep ice cream in the freezer if we're trying to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we're doing dry January, we put the alcohol and lock it in a closet in the basement. We don't leave it out on the kitchen counter, right? Where it's a temptation. But sometimes with our financial goals, we don't think about doing things like that. So, you know, if you are trying to get a handle on your spending and you know that you're an unhealthy emotional spender, well, maybe you need to unsubscribe to, you know, your favorite store's emails and different things like that so Mm -hmm. that they're not a temptation, like set yourself up for success when it comes to these money goals. Now, if you can identify what are the things that might knock you off track and say, how can I mitigate or limit those things so that they don't pull me off track? And then what are some easy ways that I can set myself up for success? Can I set up automatic payments once a week to go 
on my visa card? What are some of these things that I can do to make achieving this goal easier? But we don't think about that. I mean, we think about that with our health, like laying out our workout clothes and not buying potato chips in the first place. Mm -hmm. But we don't always think about those kinds of things with our personal finances. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So as we close out today, I just want to let people know, if you want to create money goals that you won't give up on, here's the things you need to keep in mind. Focus. Pick one thing. Pick one thing and focus on it until it's done. Get excited. Find a way to get excited. And if you can't get excited about that goal, then it's probably the wrong one. Be flexible with how it comes about. I mean, yes, have your plan, but, you know, be be open for opportunities. Set your range. Set your range goal so that you've got that good, better, best in mm -hmm. there. And then stick with it until you've achieved it. So, yeah. And I know we've probably got folks in the audience that... You know, they've got a variety of personal finance goals. And if, quote unquote, getting your money crap together mm -hmm. <laughs> is like, this is the year that we're going to do this. My Financial Dignity on Demand course helps you make and achieve your money goals in a way that's easy and fun. And it covers all aspects of your personal finances, everything from spending to saving to debt reduction to the emotional side of money. And it's super easy to find. It's financialdignityondemand.com. And I've actually created a promo code specifically for our podcast listeners and the podcast. That's the promo code at the checkout. And uh, it's actually a sizable discount on that course. All right. Definitely something to check out. For those that are Long-term listeners, they've, they've heard you talk about this before. Bottom line is that there is no judgment, right? There, there, it's just right. not something that you even deal with. It's, it's, these are all personal issues. People are embarrassed a lot of times. And I love the financial dignity on demand. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it, it makes a lot of sense and it's, it's private, right? It's private in a way it's, it's just them and, and you know, the, the help that you're giving them. Uh, mm -hmm. So I love that. So thank you for that. Any other closing thoughts? Oh, you know, just uh, don't shy away from those goals. And here's the thing. If you were one of those people that quit <laughs> mm -hmm. after two weeks, one of my friends, I think it was on LinkedIn, said, can we reframe National Quitters Day to National Reset yeah, Day? So no matter when you're listening to this, if you made a goal and you haven't stuck with it, rather than saying... You know, I'm a failure. I quit on this. Let's just hit the reset button. Yeah. You know, because now you know, after listening to this, why the money goal was hard to stick with. Mm -hmm. And so you can make some of these tweaks, some of these adjustments, hit that reset button and go for it again. Fantastic. Love it. Thank you, Christine. This has been awesome. As always. You bet. So much fun. <laughs> it is. And our last thank you always goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the money is emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, 
please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.